All right, hello and welcome to the movie Throwdown episode two. My name is David Isles, and if you don't know what the movie Throwdown is, I am not going to explain it in full again and how I came up with the idea and how the show exactly works because it took me like 10 minutes last time and I want to keep this episode under 30 minutes. But just basically we're taking movies that have been reviewed similarly over time. I have a hard time saying that word similarly over time. And we're comparing them based off of six things. Story, script, characters, visual, music, and effects. Now, there's a kind of complicated way of how I come up with which movies are compared, but basically that's the basic premise of this show. You'll kind of get how it rolls while I'm going through it. But again, I don't want to spend 10 minutes going all over it again. So if you really want to know the specifics of the show, listen to the last episode. But then this one, I just want to get straight to the point because we have some good movies that we're talking about. So let's just get right into it. So which movies am I talking about now? If you listen to last episode, I was really getting on Quentin Tarantino because Reservoir Dogs is a part of the last video and um, or the last I keep saying video I don't I don't do a video I do a podcast but um, I kept getting on Quentin Tarantino about Reservoir Dogs and how he's not one of my favorite directors but I will say one Quentin Tarantino that I really do like and it's not just like I like it for a Quentin Tarantino film I really like it as a film I've watched it twice I've enjoyed it each time easily his best film and really just a great film Inglorious Bastards so I wanted to look in my database and see, well, how was Inglorious Bastards uh, reviewed and what film, what other films does it kind of uh, resonate with and which films is it reviewed similarly as. So I looked at it and I was actually surprised that the score for it was a 76.25. Now, just to go into a little bit into the database, usually what I said on last episode was a 70 kind of denotes that we're talking about good movies, but not great movies. And then an 80 kind of denotes that we're talking about great movies. Um, I think the examples that I used last week was a 70. Let me see, I still have my notes here. Um, uh, yeah, so 70 was Revolutionary Road and 80 was Black Clansman. So kind of we're talking about in the middle of those two movies would be A Glorious Bastards, which almost falls right in the middle at a 76.25, which is kind of, Weird, considering when you hear people talk about Inglorious Bastards, you hear about them talk about it definitely like it's a great movie, maybe even a classic. And classics are usually in the 85 to 90 range. So why was this movie so low? Now, that's not what this video is about. I'm not doing a deep dive on why the reviews to this movie were so low. Maybe it was for political reasons. It might not have to do with the movie necessarily. But it was rated a 76.25. Now, the lower a film is rated, the more movies it's going to match up with, which the reason there was only four last week is because 84 is a relatively high score. But for the 76.25, there were lots of movies that were the same. And some of those movies that were did have the same score, but I'm not going to talk about for various reasons, are Diane, Never Look Away, Loving, Fences, Knocked Up, 310 to Yuma, The Post, X-Men 2, and Aliens. Now... I have not seen any of those films, which is why I'm not talking about them. Um, I contemplated watching 310 to Yuma for this video, but um, I, just, I, I, I didn't want to, honestly. And then I have seen the post, but I didn't think it really fit in this video. And I've seen Fences, but I thought it was very boring. So I didn't really want to get into those. So the two films that I did want to compare Glorious Bastards to 
was M. Night Shyamalan's first big film, The Sixth Sense, and then Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which I, I bet you, you wouldn't think you would hear To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Inglorious Bastards in the same sentence, but somehow, I think because of the audience, because the audience for To All, the people who reviewed To All the Boys I Loved Before were really happy with it. Um, I, I, I forgot where I was going with that thought, but basically these two films have somehow ended up with the same score. So we're going to be comparing them today on these six things. So let's get right to it. Story. Now, a little bit of a refresher. When I talk about story, I am talking about not individual scene. I'm not talking about dialogue. I'm not talking about individual scenes or anything like that. I am talking about the overall story, the story arc, how plausible is the story. So when we get into Inglorious Bastards, I think Inglorious Bastards has a really good flow. There's no part of the movie that I think is boring. There's no part of the movie that I think is drawn out. And there's not really any scenes that I think could be taken out. However, it is long. And and you might think that's fine. If it's not boring when it's long, it's it's fine. But I think one of the reasons is there's just so many storylines in this movie. Maybe they could have taken a storyline out and it would have been just as good. But I'm not complaining because I think all the storylines were at least entertaining. So I can't really take off for this movie being as long as it is because it was entertaining the whole time. And then in addition to that, I think... One of the things, one of the reasons I like this Quentin Tarantino movie over, over other Quentin Tarantino movies, like let's say comparing it to a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a really great ending, but I don't feel like that ending serviced all of the storylines that were set up earlier in the movie. So I still felt dissatisfied with the movie because I was like, there was a lot of this movie I didn't really need to see. In Glorious Bastards, different case. It had a really good ending, but it also tied up all of the plot threads that he was setting up throughout the movie. So I really like the story in The Glorious Bastards. But then we also have to compare that to The Sixth Sense. And The Sixth Sense is a very deliberately paced film. You, it, I, I don't remember the, um, the runtime for The Sixth Sense, but it doesn't feel long, but it doesn't feel short either. And I think it's because M. Night Shyamalan doesn't waste any time in any scene. He doesn't put a scene in there just for no reason. It doesn't necessarily move slow. It doesn't necessarily move fast. It moves at the pace I think The Sixth Sense needs to move to service that story, which that might sound like a lot of fluff, like I'm not really saying anything, but it's kind of hard to put into words. But I just think this is a really nicely paced film. But the I think the best thing and the, and the coolest thing about The Sixth Sense is how well the story works within its own parameters. Because... The Sixth Sense is a story that feels real. It's a story that uh, feels like it could be set in this world, but it's also, it has its own rules within its world. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think there, I mean, you don't know, but I don't think there are people out here who can see ghosts. But in this Sixth Sense world, they can. But M. Night Shyamalan does a great job of making that world really seem like our world even though it is a little bit different and he does that by sticking to the rules of his world too one of the reasons the twist works in that film is because he does not break any of the rules that he sets up in his own world which is something that a lot of filmmakers do a lot of times like you can see how bruce willis doesn't um 
He doesn't affect the environment around him or he's always wearing the same types of clothes and these types of things. These are little things, but they all contribute to the story and it all contributes to why the sixth sense works. So I think that the sixth sense has a really good story, really underrated from a story aspect. And then we have to all the boys I've loved before. Look, I like to all the boys I loved before, not gonna lie. And I didn't mind the second one. It's not great, but it, it's whatever. But it's a generic story. I mean, all of these, even even uh, the half of it, which was a really good uh, a Netflix film that I just saw, uh, all of these romantic comedy teen type Netflix movies, they follow the same beats. Um, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's always very predictable. It's always very cheesy at the end. But I think this movie is sweet. It does it in a pretty good way. And it um, it kind of goes off of the, uh, what's it called, chemistry of the two leads. But in terms of a story aspect, I would call it pretty generic, but I still do like the movie. So for that reason, I was wrestling with Inglorious Bastards and Sixth Sense for a long time. I like both of these movies from a story aspect, but because of how well M. Night Shyamalan um, sticks to the rules of his own movie and how well the movie is paced, uh, as well as it does also have a great ending, just like Inglorious Bastards. Um, I'm going to give Sixth Sense number one for story, and Glorious Bastards number two, and to all the boys, number three. Um, that's first, second, and third, um, respectively. So let's move on to script. So for script, now Glorious Bastards. Now, when I talk about script, one of the big things I look at is how memorable are the scenes in that movie? Now, in Glorious Bastards, almost more than any movie that I can think of that I don't personally love, like an Inception or something, has memorable scenes. The, the opening of this film is one of the most memorable things. It's easily the most memorable thing Quentin Tarantino has ever done, in my opinion. And it's one of the most memorable opening scenes in movie history. Um, the, the scene with, with Hans Landa and Shoshana when they are eating the... I think it's like an apple pie or something like that. Um, I don't think it's an apple pie, but it, it, whatever food that is, that's a very memorable scene. The bar scene is very memorable. Um, everything with Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's first scene is very memorable. Gorlami is very memorable. There's just so many things from that film. It, it's almost like it's not even very much a movie as it is, it's just a collection of great scenes, scene after scene. The dialogue is always up there and it's the best writing that Quentin Tarantino has ever done by a long shot. So I think the script for Inglorious Bastards is amazing, but then also, again, the script for The Sixth Sense is also amazing. It's a very smart film because you might look back and if you look at this, if you look at The Sixth Sense now, it's very hard to watch The Sixth Sense without knowing what happens at the end. You've at least heard the quote, I, I see dead people. So you at least know, even if you don't know exactly what's happening at the end, you know something's coming. Um, you know something's up, you know there's a twist coming. But let's say if you were absent all of that thought, if you didn't know who M. Night Shyamalan is, you had not heard of this movie, you watched it in the theaters, this film so masterfully, masterfully sets up its twist at the end with the environment that they set up and how they do it, that the twist is so unexpected, but it was right in front of your eyes the entire time. And that's the, one of the best things a film can do with this twist because it's very easy to just do the shock twist 
where it's something that you weren't expecting, but it also wasn't really something you set up. And if you do one of those, it might shock some people, but it's not going to really feel rewarding at the end if it's just something that's just totally out of the blue that you didn't really ever set up. But the sixth sense, if, 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 you, because if you watch it again, it could be like, well, they were telling me this the entire time, but I wasn't paying attention. And it's one of the smartest things about The Sixth Sense, which I don't know why I keep saying the full movie title, but one of the smartest things about this movie is that it plays with the, what's it called, the viewer's perception of a reliable versus an unreliable narrator, um, um, seeing what you want to see versus seeing what's actually there, um, and just a whole bunch of different themes that have to do with humanity and emotions and biases. And I think this is a really, really smart script that is in some ways got underrated by some of the other things that M. Night Shyamalan has done in the past. But yes, I again, I agree that Sixth Sense is amazing from a screenplay perspective. To all the boys I loved before, it's, it's the same thing. It's a generic story. I cannot tell you any specific scene that happened in the first one. I can't even really remember what what um, Peter did at the end to win her back after whatever conflict there probably was in the second act. Look, it, it follows the it, basic act structure. Again, I think this movie goes more off of chemistry, but the dialogue felt good. Um, and there's a reason this movie is set apart from other romantic comedies that Netflix does, is that the dialogue is watchable. Um, because there are some of these romantic comedies, I can't get 20 minutes to it because I'm like, this is just stupid. Um, to all the boys I loved before is not stupid, but nowhere close to the levels that Inglorious Bastards of the Sixth Sense gets. So it's get the it gets the third spot again for script. Um, Sixth Sense gets number two for me, even though even though how much I love it, I just cannot deny Inglorious Bastards, one of the best scripts I think ever written. <clears throat> characters now, so and so for characters. Inglorious Bastards has Hans Landa, um, obviously, and I think Christoph Waltz gives one of the greatest performances in film history, and I think Hans Landa is one of the best villains ever written and ever performed on screen. However, though, I think people kind of forget that this movie has a very good ensemble cast. Let's say if you, let's say he casts like Leonardo DiCaprio as Hans Landa. It would still be a fine performance. Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the best actors on earth. Or just any other actor. Daniel Day-Lewis as Hans Landa. It would still be a fine performance, but it wouldn't be Hans Landa. It wouldn't be the same thing. But if you look at the rest of that film, Brad Pitt gives an absolutely amazing performance that I don't think would be replicated by that many people um, acting today. And in addition to that, uh, the person who plays Shoshana... Um, it's just, I can't really remember every single actor. There's a lot of actors in this movie, but every single person plays their part and every single person plays their part perfectly. And um, and then, and just in addition to that, Hans Landa is one of the greatest villains of all time. So from an acting and from a character perspective, this is almost like a great character study. The, one, the two best things in this film are the characters and the script. Um, Quentin Tarantino mastered both of those uh, in this film. But The Sixth Sense, now The Sixth Sense, I think Haley Joel Osment, Osment, uh, Haley Joel Osment. I, 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 I think that's his last name. Gives one of the best child performances ever, and I think he even got an Oscar for it. Um, but the thing, I'm not going to talk about Haley Haley Joel, but let's let's talk about Bruce Willis in this film. He's good, 
but does he do anything that sets you apart from any other act like Tom Hanks could do this role in his sleep and I think it would be just the same movie now M. Night Shyamalan kind of has a thing for Bruce Willis um, they have a good relationship and I think Bruce Willis gets one of his better performances in this film but I don't think there's anything that really separates him from any other actor in this um, film and I think lots of other actors could have given a similar performance and still pulled off the twist uh, but for to all the boys I loved before now I have to give it credit this is the movie that put Lana Condor and Noah Centineo on the map but um, and and I think it's the two actors chemistry that really puts this movie puts this movie above other movies uh, but at the end of the day Haley Joel Osment got like an Oscar for this and Hans Landa got an Oscar for this or at least nominations uh, Lana Condor is not getting there so I have to put to all the boys I loved before in third Six Sense at second and then Inglorious Bastards again at number one so let's talk a little bit about the visuals um, I've talked about it in the last last video I'm not going to talk about it too much again but Inglorious Bastards Quentin Tarantino one thing I cannot ever say wrong about him or any of his movies is he has a fantastic directing style I love the way he works the camera I love the way he does certain shots I love the way he shoots on film he from a directorial standpoint take out story take out script take out all of that from a shooting perspective a cinematography production design visual perspective Quentin Tarantino is one of the best directors working today and this film is another example of that however the thing with Quentin Tarantino, I, I cannot say this movie is looks any better than Django or looks any better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just Quentin Tarantino. His style is his style and it shines in every film. But I'm not going to take off of him for that because, you know, it's his style. He does it well in every film. It shines in Inglorious Bastards as well. But The Sixth Sense, though, I, I'll tell you, it, it's 25 years old. And let me tell you, it looks like it. The uh, and it's not just the cinematography. I think the way he does certain shots are cool, and it kind of adds to the suspense sometimes of the film. But I'm just—it's more the like, like let's say even the costumes of the ghosts and stuff. It just—it was a very much a film of its time. You, could, I, I could say that. Like, it, it definitely wasn't a film that's ahead of its time style-wise. But then again, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan is a director who is great stylistically. I think M. Night Shyamalan is known for his twist. He's known for his story. He's known for his script. Even the people who really like his work, I think they like him more for that. I don't think he really has an amazing artistic, stylistic style. Because um, even films like Glass or Split, they, they're not like visually stunning or anything like that. But they're cheap. And and if that's his business model, I think it's a, it's a good one. Uh, and he kind of relies on his stories more. So I think The Sixth Sense looks dated. And I think a bit, from a visual perspective, it's a very okay movie. And the story really is what brings it up to what I think is a great movie. Um, and to all the boys I loved before, you might think, eh, it looks like every other rom-com. I think it looked nice. I think they did well with the set design. I really like the costuming in that film. And I'm really going to actually get on the costuming in that film. I, I mean, for the guys, it's whatever. But I really like the way um, they they dressed Lana Condor in this film. It was, it was very kind of 
it it was very high school which i really liked about it they didn't try to dress her like a college student they didn't try to make her look a certain way they tried to make her look like a high schooler and it worked because lana condor is like 23 see and and one of the harder things is when you have these actors that are kind of older whose faces are kind of looking like they're in college maybe even graduated college and you're trying to pass them off as a high schooler doesn't always work didn't think it worked with noah centineo but it did work with lana condor which is why actually well i'll get to that later but i'm going to give inglorious bastards first and then i'm going to give to all the boys i loved before second and then sixth sense i'm going to go with third the music for all three of these films is, is is nothing that really stuck out to me, but I will say, Inglorious Bastards has a very good uh, music at the ending. I really like how they used music in the last scene with the with the last movie scene with Shoshana, where um, kind of the final plan is enacted. I think the music in that was really good, and also the music at the beginning and that opening scene really adds to the suspense of the film. Um, like I said in the last. Uh, a podcast just because you don't notice a score doesn't necessarily mean it's bad and I think that's kind of the thing with Inglorious Bastards it's not really in your face all the time and I think kind of more those more subtle moments it kind of adds to those scenes like a scene's only memorable if the music in the scene is also good so I think the music in Inglorious Bastards is good but not memorable but that's not always a bad thing uh, but in the sixth sense into all the boys I loved before I'm not going to not going to fret on something I don't know because um, I, I don't think either of them are memorable. I think Sixth Sense was just sounds, honestly, and then To All the Boys I Loved Before was just generic music. But I'm gonna I'm going to give To All the Boys I Loved Before the third spot here because I think it had the opportunity to do something special with music as kind of the first Netflix rom com to star an Asian lead. I think it could have did something cool with that with when they did do cool from a story aspect with some of those things but from a music aspect i don't think they really took full advantage so i'll give it third for that and then i'm gonna give six cents second and inglorious bastards first and then lastly the effect on cinema uh you might think well obviously inglorious bastards again but let's look at what inglorious bastards is inglorious bastards will be remembered as one of Quentin Tarantino's best movies. I personally think it's easily his best movies, but I think if you ask a lot of people over the pantheon of his career, I don't know if that's the right word, people are going to say Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and then maybe Inglorious Bastards. Um, or maybe Django and then Inglorious Bastards. You don't know. I think Inglorious Bastards will kind of falls into that third, fourth spot. But I think people remember Pulp Fiction as Quentin Tarantino's quintessential movie. So... And I don't think Inglorious Bastards, in terms of a pop culture movie, really, really inspired anything. I think he used this style to maybe inspire him to make Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I don't think it's that influential of a movie outside of Quentin Tarantino's own filmography. Sixth Sense, however, Sixth Sense is a very important movie and it kind of revolutionized um um, the movie experience and it, it look this is not the first movie to have a twist at the ending but it definitely changed the way movies did twist for better and for worse and i because it was kind of one of the first times this movie made like 200 something million dollars and it was a movie that made more on sunday than it did on friday why 
word of mouth. This was the first movie, well, not one of the, not the first movie, but this was a movie that people saw on Friday, told their friends about, and said, get to the movie as soon as possible. You don't want this to get spoiled to you. How many times has that marketing tactic been used today? You have to see this on opening night or someone's going to tell you what's going to happen. M. Night Shyamalan made that. Not, not, not. Prime, he was not the only person who made that, but Sixth Sense was the biggest contributor to that. With the, you have to see it now or else you will get spoiled. And also, in addition to that, this movie almost, at least in my opinion, it ruined his career. It, it also made his career. I mean, there were, there were so many articles saying this guy was the next Steven Spielberg. But every single time you watch an M. Night Shyamalan movie, what are you watching for? The twist which makes it so much harder to make a movie. One of the best things about Sixth Sense is that you weren't looking for the twist. And then when the twist came, you were surprised by it. But then if you're looking for a twist, it's so much harder to make one that makes sense. Um, the Sixth Sense wouldn't work if it was Lim Night Shyamalan's second big movie because everyone would already know what he is and what he is doing. So um, Sixth Sense, I think, is a very influential film and kind of underrated from an influentiality perspective. I don't think that's a word. But um, I think it deserves more props. And just checking my time here. Uh, to all the boys I loved before, it's, ne it's Netflix's best rom-com. I think that's just kind of what it's going to be known as. It's not going to be known as like a game changer or anything. It's just going to be known as, of Netflix's rom-coms, this one's the best. So to all the boys I loved before, it gets third. Inglorious Bastards is the second most influential to me, and Sixth Sense is first. So the final rankings for me for this video, with 7 points, To All the Boys I Loved Before comes in 3rd, with 13 points, The Sixth Sense comes 2nd, and finally, I believe the best of these 3 movies is Inglorious Bastards. Um, I tried to keep this one shorter for you, let me know um, wherever wherever you find this podcast or however you can reach me, just try. Um, let me know if, if you think I should go into a deeper dive, maybe do hour long episodes, if I should invite a guest. Or if you like it the way it is, I'm open to suggestions. Um, or just leave a like or whatever um, if you just happen to view it or you liked it. And give me suggestions. I have a few episodes that I want to do. But then after that, I mean, it, it, I, I'll, I'll do any movie. Uh, any movie that I can find. Any movie that has statistics on it. I can try to do some movie, movie comparisons. I really like doing this series. So just let me know. Um, I said I would have a catch phrase. I said I would have a goodbye phrase by now. I still do not. So see you later.